wa- watching the movie as with the non schnazy eyes, like where you were just soaking in the experience. Maybe it's impossible. Like maybe you don't turn off that thing, so there's no <laughs> such thing as just soaking in it. But did you find it pleasant or did you find it frustrating? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 437 with a review of Patterson. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, Stephen, to get us started, in honor of Patterson, mm-hmm. I have prepared something for us. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was afraid of this. <laughs> I thought you might think that I might. Uh, but here we go. I call this the spoiler warning. Two mics sit in a room, an empty office, an office where no one is working, a podcast where no one is listening, an empty office, two mics sit in a room. Beautiful. I hope you enjoyed that. I feel it's the space between the words that I'm feeling. (laughs) All the silence of the non-existent listeners just rapping. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wrapping um, around me but uh but yeah i mean you can't i feel like you can't see patterson without like feeling like you need to write something i immediately want to go back and write poetry uh, i didn't do <laughs> oh, it back but I, back and write poetry so you are you uh you fancy yourself a poet <laughs> no. <laughs> no i wanted to go back home and write angsty poetry about things gotcha couldn't couldn't do it the moment i sat down like I don't know. The, it, it seems like poems come at this kind of slow pace. Yeah. At least the type of William Carlos William esque poem that Patterson seems to love. Yeah. Um, where you, if you're in a hurry to write it, it just doesn't work. It's like being in a hurry to meditate or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving too quickly. Gotcha. Did you at least have uh, an old poetry notebook that you could dust off and you know crack open the spine for and 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 pretend like you were gonna write? Oh, I opened a moleskin. Uh, I, I threw a moleskin in a bag and then never used it. <laughs> That's what I have for the uh, the notes that I think I'm going to take for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I have like probably like seven seven things that all have pages with like the episode number and the the title of the film, and then like the cast written, and then no notes. <laughs> Is that for while you're watching it or while we're recording? Uh. I've only ever once taken a notebook into a movie and then gone like, you can't write in the middle of the dark. <laughs> like you could do it at Alamo Drinkhouse. Alamo Drinkhouse. <laughs> Alamo Drinkhouse. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, you could do it there because you had a little light under the table. Yeah. But I would still feel weird like, aha. <laughs> and then like scrawling in a little notebook underneath fun the fact, table. Fun fact, the one movie I ever brought a notebook to, uh, Insurgent. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh. I'd been taking notes during my watching of Divergent and then uh, <laughs> just carried it with me to the theater. And you're like, no, th- th- this is very, very worthy of this. The whole, the only thing I was writing were quotes of like the worst, the, <laughs> basically the worst bits of dialogue that they squeezed into the movie. And then once you found out they canceled the series, you just threw the notebook in the trash because yeah. you're like, I'll never use this again. Exactly. Very nice. Well... What do you say uh, we get into Patterson here? Let's go for it. Cool. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Patterson and then come back and give you guys a review. Morning, Donnie. Everything okay? No, not really. 
My kid needs braces on her teeth. My car needs a transmission job. My wife wants me to take her to Florida, but I'm behind on the mortgage payments. My uncle called from India and he needs money for my niece's wedding and I got this strange rash on my back. How about you? I'm okay. Ready to roll, Patterson? Yeah. When you're a child, you learn there are three dimensions. Height, width, and depth. Like a shoebox. Then later you hear there's a fourth dimension. Time. Your poetry is really good. And someday you might let the world read it. <laughs> you are a great poet. Hey, yo, that's an English bulldog, right? Dog like that, get dog jacked, my G. Well, it gives me something to look forward to that, I guess. You drive the bus, right? Your name really Patterson? My real name is Patterson. Well, that's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Working on a poem for you. A love poem? Yeah, I guess if it's for you, it's a love poem. I had a beautiful dream. We had twins. Twins. All your poems are still in that one notebook, your secret notebook. I go through trillions of molecules that move aside to make way for me, while on both sides, trillions more stay where they are. This is Patterson Bus 23. I have a situation. Damn thing could have exploded into a fireball. <laughs> I could be realizing my dream to be a country singer. Nashville? Here I come. What about Nashville? in Patterson. You mean besides us? Not likely. Without love, what reason is there for anything? He's not going to do anything crazy. Everything he does is crazy. Nobody move! I in Patterson. Uh-huh. Uh-huh what? This very poetic. Get my ass kicked today. What are you playing? Myself. All right, so that was the trailer for Patterson. It is about a bus driver named Patterson who lives in Patterson. <laughs> and he drives his bus on Patterson Street, right? Probably. Yeah. And uh, his he... father's name is Patter. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but uh, he, he likes to write poetry in his off hours and uh, has a very artistic girlfriend. And this is that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stephen. What did you think of Patterson? So you remember a, a few weeks ago during our Lion review, we both kind of agreed that after a slew of difficult films, it was nice to watch a movie where you were feeling exactly what they wanted you to feel. And yeah. you both like you both had a pact. You both knew what that was. A Pacterson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a Pacterson. Um, this Patterson, I would say, is very much on the opposite end of that spectrum where the the film is about little things and little puzzles, and it's very specifically trying to make you question things without throwing feelings at you. And I I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I really loved this movie. I, I think this movie, it, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that it has the rhythm of poetry, where it has this meditative feeling, kind of a lot of repetition, similar scenes happening over and over, and then slight, like, one or two words changed in the scene that, that change everything, right? Yeah. Like, keeping so much the same that when little bits are different, they start to be amplified. Um, I thought this just had a really 
it, it was just a very nice movie that forces you to slow down and enjoy like the banal to let you kind of look at things in a meaningful light, even if they wouldn't have been meaningful otherwise. Um, and then it's kind of Jim Jarmusch playing with you, letting all the all the wrongnesses and cracks like pile up until all of a sudden you're in this very absurd world. <laughs> and it's not exactly clear when you veered into the absurd from the, the everyday. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was just a... It, it was such a good blend of... It had genuine heart and feeling, right? The character of Patterson is very much uh, an open, optimistic character. And he lives his small little life. He drives the bus every day. And so much of the movie is watching Adam Driver, like, just beaming with a grin while he's overhearing a conversation he wasn't supposed to hear. Or he's, like, collecting little observations that he's going to keep keep in the book that he's never going to tell anyone. Yeah. Like, his life is very quiet and internal. Um and he's kind of contrasted with this semi-manic pixie dream girl, uh, girlfriend character who is an artist who wants to like produce and give to the world. And she wants everything to be external. Everything is like big and white and black and covered in the room. And I, just the visuals of this movie and the, the pace of it, where you're just like living in this fantastical, fantastical world, watching watching little things happen. It, it had a kind of Calvary vibe to me where it feels, feels like a, a play where you're kind of walking in a mist, a little bit of a haze and a mist and characters walk in and say their lines and then leave. And you're, it's all building the worldview of the main character. Uh, I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed the few hours I spent with this movie. I don't exactly know what I got from it, but the, the slowness that it forced on me was very refreshing. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good mix of, of things. It is interesting, the the idea of the playness of it, because, I mean, you could see this as a stage play where there's like there's really only two sets, right? Yeah. You're either in the house or you're in a bus, and you could easily... Or in the bar. Or, well, yeah, there's there's a bar too, yeah. So you could either have like a rotating set or like all those objects just get shoved around in the stage and you just use like spotlights to like show it off in different spotlight. things. Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> the bar. Uh, it is getting towards the end of the year, so we have to start like throwing in all those references to past oh, yeah. episodes. Um, uh, but yeah, so that is kind of that would be kind of cool to see that. Um, so in general, on this film, this was definitely a complex movie for yeah. me, for me to watch for for a bunch of different reasons. Um, there are there are aspects to the 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 characters and the narrative that I really identified with. You know, like I. I really like the repetition of the story, um, or not really the, the repetition of the story, but the repetition of just the events that Patterson goes through. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast a million years ago, but like long, long, long time ago, I had a girlfriend who was really into the game The Sims, mm-hmm. and I bought it because she was super into it. And like I was like, I cannot play this game because it was like you just wake the characters up. You fix everything that broke while you were sleeping. You go to work. They come home. You fix everything that was broke while you're at work, and then you go to sleep. And it was like this repetition of like this endless cycle of never being able to break out of that. Like mm-hmm. those type of aspects of Patterson's character, like him waking up at the same time, like just getting ready, going and doing his thing, coming home, like adjusting the mailbox every time he comes yeah. back in. Um, a wonderful payoff. Yeah, for that well, <laughs> there's a great payoff to that. Um, but uh, those aspects, I really. I really, really enjoyed uh, the girlfriend character. Struck <laughs> hit a few few chords for me. Um, that that was very, very, very. Uh, we'll say funny um, mm-hmm. to to have to sit through. Um, the narrative of this film, like 
is crazy balls though like i don't know what's up with like the twins stuff like there there's a bunch of things that that don't really get paid off that it's 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 there as just flavor for mm-hmm. the experience you're going through but it's like you know part of my chris brain cannot not wonder what that is right <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'm like is this like a well-known thing about patterson like they have like the highest ratio of twins per capita or like i don't like i don't know what's going on or whether like it's going to turn to something where it relates to his character in mm-hmm. some way. Like there were so many things that it could be. I mean, in a world where we're seeing like no Nolan properties from like the Nolan family and like yeah. things like that, you're just like, mm, what is this doing? And why is this poking in my brain the whole time? And I know it's never going to pay off and I know it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. part of my brain is like, you can't just keep giving me weird visions of twins everywhere and not give me something to do with it. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, that's so fun. I mean, that, that is such a, a Chris response to, <laughs> it for me i i loved things like that i like when a movie has has a jarring like a little visual joke or a, a stylistic thing that it's prodding you with yeah and like i don't i don't know yet what the twins mean like there are lots of little things i could relate it to like repetition and you know making copies of things and the idea of people blending together and him seeing things as yeah. similar and it also could just be like a little dash of fantasy to remind you that this doesn't have to be the real world um yeah. But like for me, I love that. I love the fact that I might watch it later and pull something in a meaning of twin. Like maybe there's an esoteric William Carlos Williams poem or something about twins, right? Yeah, maybe. To, maybe, to me, yeah, that's it, wonderful. Like that's so fun. And it me. could be totally just a reference to that, right? Yeah. And maybe there is a poem that just talks about seeing twins everywhere. And I will never know because I'm not going to go read all these <laughs> Carlos Williams stuff. Uh, so it, it's kind of like... That that's the type of thing we'd be complaining about in one of these like Star Wars prequels that's going to come out, where like it doesn't help the story at all. It's just there paying homage or something, right? Like if that was a completely separate property, we'd be like, why did they do that? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this story, it's like even if it's just there because it's like my brain cannot get over that that is just randomly occurring. Well, in my mind, something like the twins in particular are like seeing the uh, seeing the rabbit in. Why am I blanking on Jake Gyllenhaal's movie? Oh, Donnie Darko? Donnie Darko. Like a thing that he sees. It's like a less intense version of that where it's a thing he sees that is like the slow building of the world not being as it should be, right? Yeah, but in theory, this is a world in which it is as it should be, right? In theory. (laughs) I would say the film is trying very hard to tell you not to not to look for this as a literal like too many coincidences happen for this to be a literal world too many poets run into him yeah yeah exactly like that that's one of the things where it's like it's kind of it's i know it's weird but it's Mm -hmm. like in general i like the idea of the character i mean going back to things that like identify with like we sit here like my, my joking poem at the beginning right like we sit here and we do this podcast that even like we're putting this podcast out on the internet and you guys are listening right now but we don't copy Um, the files yeah but we don't copy the files um uh, but, uh, like it is a thing where it's like, we, we sort of do this for ourselves. Like, right. It's cause we, we want to talk and get these thoughts out and communicate something in a medium that we can do. Um, but we aren't like aggressively going out and trying to promote this in the world. And like, we're sort of, I'm not necessarily happy with it just being just us. Right. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it is, it is a sense of like, this is a thing that I, that I do because, it's something that I want to do to get to get my thought 
recorded in some form and then put wherever it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those aspects of, of this, uh, I, I really like the idea of like this repeating stuff, going about things, doing these things mostly, uh, like for myself, for the purpose of just like doing something that I care about. Um, and then I think on the other hand side of things, I, I guess on the whole, I don't necessarily get the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, like the, the poem that they show in the trailer or at the end of the trailer, I forget what part of the trailer is cause we didn't actually listen to it for a few moments ago. Um, but that poem is arguably the best of Patterson's poems in the film from the standpoint of like just the objective quality. It of, definitely takes of the, the most emotional flight. Yeah. Part yeah. Through. Um, and I feel like in a film centered around a poet whose girlfriend is constantly telling him how good he is at writing, even though I don't think she's ever heard a single thing he's written yeah. just by the context of the moments we see of the two of them together. Um, I, I don't know. It's weird that I don't like none of the poems are reaching for anything profound. Like they're not saying a lot about the world. They're just like, Hey, I noticed the thing. This is the color of that thing. This is the thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. My poem is done. <laughs> right. Right. And it's like, the I mean the second best poem in the film to me is the nine year old girls right <laughs> right it's uh, certainly the easiest yeah um, yeah um I I don't know there's there's something about like the writing in general like the the cadence of the dialogue and like the, the words that are spoken in the film never really impressed me in any moment right it, it feels kind of like everything feels stilted and I don't know if it's on purpose or like Adam Driver's character is sort of like existing in a world. But he's sort of not trying, right? He's just he's just in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's some there's something to it. Like I remember when when we first played the trailer, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't tell if I want to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like something about it felt cheesy. Um, it's interesting that stilted is the word you would go to because for me there was definitely a like there was an intentionality to it, a kind like the the quietness of someone who chooses their words very carefully and is present all the time right like the sort of presence that like you and i probably can't even imagine because we're always stressed about random work things and we're always pushing for the next thing and that but for for him the day is just one long repeated slow drive in a bus through the world and in in my mind the dialogue felt very much like that it felt kind of effort it it felt effortless for that sort of person but but it felt to me like the Let's see how I'm trying, trying to figure out how to articulate this. Basically, it feels like if I were the person being spoken to, I would perceive it as condescending. Hmm. It's very much a lot of the time it's like, oh, honey, do you like my painting? And he's like, oh, that's a good painting there, isn't it? Like, it, it's just like a very weird, strange, and even like the, so the first, you know, you talked earlier about him overhearing these conversations on the bus. And like, what I kind of expected by the trailer of this film was a person whose life is simple finding all this, these beautiful moments in the lives of the people on the bus that he takes, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the, the type of film that you yeah, like. Yeah, sure. That's the country song equivalent of this movie. No, no but, but I mean like if you, you – know, this is the, if Will Smith was the bus driver. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and it was called the Collateral, collateral Bus Duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's the type of story you'd get, right? But these moments are like – yeah, there was like this girls and like, you know what she wanted, right? And then the guy's like, yeah, me too. I had like a girl that I saw and then you know what she wanted, right? 
But like that whole I was there were moments where like the people talking, I'm like, ah, this is the weirdest con- like this is not a real no humans have had this conversation before. Like maybe they've communicated those exact same messages, but it just it feels you know what it feels like? People came in to do a line reading. <laughs> right? <laughs> like this is a bunch of people they got the script for the first time and they're just reading through the script and delivering it exactly without the inflection because they haven't got direction yet. Yeah. That's sort of what it feels like sometimes and sometimes just because of the context of the scene, it works beautifully. And then sometimes it totally takes me out. And it's like this film is so full of me vibing and then me not vibing and going back and forth through those states that like it was really hard for me to like at moments I was like, I can't tell if this is brilliant and I don't get it or this is the worst movie I've seen all year. And it was yeah, it, it was just it was it was a difficult struggle to watch it, not to say that I didn't enjoy it. As I watched it, it just from the standpoint of like me gauging what the film meant to me, it was like very, very difficult. <laughs> right. So I, I guess I, I was going to respond to a few of those things. But first, I should ask, wa- watching the movie as as a with the non schnazy eyes, like where you were just soaking in the experience and you are not maybe it's impossible. Like maybe you don't turn off that thing. So there's no <laughs> such thing as just soaking in it. But did you find it? pleasant or did you find it frustrating it it was mostly pleasant with constant moments like scatterings of frustrating right where it's kind of like i'm i'm like it's it's kind of like the further i get from seeing the film the more i will probably enjoy it retroactively in my mind because Mm -hmm. i i will be remembering the elements of it as a whole versus the individual moments that I was hearing and seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like I will probably forget about the twin thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> In like several months. <laughs> and I will forget about the individual words of the poem. But I will remember the moments of him sitting in the bus trying to write before he drives off for the day or him walking home and trying to complete the thing that he, uh, that he was working on earlier in the morning as he walks home, like there, there was moments of just like him walking from the bus station to his house. Mm-hmm. I, like, I love those, even though like nothing's happening. It's just, I have, you know, walked through the streets of you know, San Francisco, like between two locations. There's something nice about just walking alone peacefully in your own thoughts and mm-hmm. just like going over whatever you're working on. Right. Like that, there, there are elements to it that like, I totally think feel real. And then I feel like every written word is not. I, I don't interesting it's it's so weird like the, the the script itself is all over the screen and it bugs me but like the mood tone and the experience of most of the things minus that other weird couple in the bar um all feel totally authentic right like all of the all of the essence of this film is great the literal words bother me <laughs> so i i think one way i would explain the the disconnect in the the way dialogue is given i kind of see this film as patterson sees himself as the poet of patterson yeah right he is the silent the william carlos williams that no one knows is there yeah and he's sort of alien in the sense that he is completely content in himself he is content with where he is he is content with life at the pace that it comes at him. 
And so he has all of these smiles and the way he says things like, this is wonderful. The cupcake is great. <laughs> Thank you for, it's wonderful the thing you're working on, Method Man. I <laughs> thank you for the dog jacking advice. You know, he, he yeah. has this thing that it, it could be perceived as like stilted or a strange reading, but I see it as completely true. And I think it helps that I know a few people like that, like the, the Kramers in your life who are, <laughs> who are just fully there yeah. and are completely unafraid to just be happy and direct and blunt in things and like there's a politeness to it but it isn't condescending in my mind it's just a lifestyle it's the way he yeah. approaches the world and so when he's driving the bus and all these characters come through like the the guys who are sharing their story about the girl and they have the exact same story for one thing i would say that that is an example of a figurative thing becoming literal when eventually everyone is a twin right like there's the the obvious similarities between people who think they're unique and then slowly like by the end he's literally seeing the same people everywhere yeah. um but also i see him overhearing that almost like a like a tourist like a japanese guy let's say wandering <laughs> into this mundane city and he's hearing a thing and like what we're hearing is kind of what he fixates on which is the rampant similarities and how obviously they don't fully know what they're saying like they don't know what they're betraying in their conversation yeah and it it's almost like we're watching what he would have recounted in his patterson language later as the thing that happened on the bus right yeah and that that's kind of how i saw a lot of these things the the moments at the bar all the drama going on there where people are like very literally repeating the same conversation back and forth like romeo yeah. and juliet and everything is so broad and I, I don't know. I, I didn't. It's not like I have a version of the film where I think we are inside his head. Like I don't have any literal version of the movie. But that's how the cadence of all of those moments worked for me. Is it's all a world being absorbed by Patterson. And like that, that that's part of where the conflict is because there are things that I recognize as being extremely interesting, but I kind of don't know why they are. Like I, I understand that they are. Like so, there is a, a re repeated thing where. Um, so, like, you know, he, his day starts, he goes to work, he's on the thing, he listens to a conversation, he checks his watch, and time resets itself. Mm -hmm. And basically, like, it's, it's not quite Groundhog's Day, but right. it, uh, it, uh, it's a, it, narratively, the structure is built in a similar way. And there's a moment after, like, certain things happen where he stares at his watch and time doesn't advance forward. And he almost recognizes that it doesn't, right? right. And it's... There is something really awesome about that, and I notice it, and I see it, and I love that it is awesome, mm -hmm. but I don't know how that could – like, I don't know how the character could recognize that, right? Like, he's looking at his watch because he wants to advance to the next moment where he's completed with his task, but the world doesn't work that way, and his character knows it doesn't because his character's in the real world, theoretically, mm -hmm. but rules aren't – like – There aren't rules. Yeah, there's, there's – yeah, it, it's – this is literally, this is like a, like a Chinese finger trap, right? Like, I'm like, ooh, let me stick my fingers in these holes, and then I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And then I'm just like, I don't like this game. <laughs> right? And I don't want to keep coming back to poetry, but this is clear in poetry, too, when people describe, like, a deafening silence, right? Yeah. Or a, there's all these things where it, the rules don't make sense, but the thing it conveys has weight to it, right? Yeah. And I feel like that that moment is a good example where... What is the truth of that moment? The truth of that moment is probably that he has some frequency with which he looks down at the watch. And in this moment, 
his light, he is not going easily anymore because he's looking down more than usual. It hasn't advanced anymore. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Like there's lots of things, but you don't want to just say it like that, right? You want to say it in a way where the visual gets to live with you afterwards. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing I would want to transition to, which might be a sore subject, <laughs> is uh, the character of Laura. Yeah. His, uh, pro- I think, Iranian uh, girlfriend who she lives at home. Uh, she is constantly pursuing different artistic endeavors right she's she's painting things she paints the the curtains and the bed sheets and the floor she paints everything herself yeah herself (laughs) um she's also making cupcakes and that's going to be her new future and she's also learning to play the guitar and that's going to be her new future and there are different ways to read the comedy of this movie one would be like the most direct male way which is like (laughs) crazy girls be crazy but i i feel like there's other things there so i wonder how did that resonate with you you don't need to name names <laughs> you know how it resonated for me um yeah I, I i so that's another thing um the you know pushing aside the resonance of of that character yeah. um there so there's this interesting dynamic of of he has this thing that he cares deeply about that is sort of the center of his world, right? It's the thing that keeps him it's it is like the poems are the literal like manifestation of his watch, right? His watch times the universe and he is centered by writing his poetry. Mm-hmm. And like it's something that is just for him, he keeps it alone and she is trying to force him to share it with the world. She is also doing all of her things like she's just taking one thing and moving to the next thing and like trying to just anything that sounds cool in the very moment, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I played the guitar now? Like she tries to do all these things. And it's like there is like I kept waiting for there to be not necessarily a conversation about it, but it seemed like there was some aspect to him picking one thing that he really cares about and maybe not being recognized for that. And her just like doing everything and not really caring about any one thing mm-hmm. other than in the moment. And like that never really went anywhere. It got it explored. And then there's like a moment at some point in the film where like it sort of becomes like the loneliest planet or whatever the movie's called. Yeah. Like where like this thing happens. I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. I see what we're doing here. But we're not doing that. <laughs> you know? Do you think we aren't? I I mean it's like a, it's a double spoiler that I don't really want to get in. Yeah, we can sure. have the conversation off the air. But I feel that like what they explore moving forward from that is a completely separate journey than where I thought we were the moment it happens. Um it's really like if let's just say if the film ended before the uh tourist, he met the tourist, I would think this film is very much one thing. Mm-hmm. And I would make extrapolations as to where Patterson goes from there. I feel like the the tourist resets Patterson. Right, the resetting like, of the clock. Yeah. And I think that because that is there, it's very, very strange. And like the the filmmaker sort of cheats too, because like the reason that tourist is there is a very specific reason that applies to this story. Sure. And, but but it's, it's like almost cheating. Otherwise, you'd be like, why is this random tourist just here for no reason? This town is so ordinary. But sure, like, but it, so it's all fantastical, I yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I, I just feel like like the... 
I thought that entire relationship was culminating in a specific moment, which we don't get. And that, like, just... I, I had that moment, right? right? Like, I'm like, oh, so, shit. Like, this is... <laughs> so, it's interesting. So, of course, in the, in the big dramatic moment of the film, because there's one that it builds towards, it hit me very hard, too. I also had that moment. And I would say it's a strength of the film that they managed to make... There are no giant things that happen in this movie, right? Like, yeah. it managed to make something very small and personal really hit with a thud. Because yeah. you you know how much it means, um, it's difficult to dance around what happened. Yeah. But if the film had ended in the way you're imagining, like the way you extrapolate it, then I would say she is a fairly shitty one-dimensional character. And instead, what what I think keeps me liking her character, even though the movie does have plenty of broad humor at at her expense. Yeah. Um, is there's a there's a tenderness between them that is like floods from the movie like the way they wake up every day and the different yeah. quiet moments and you see how she counterbalances him and i think you also see how through the way he filters the world maybe what we are seeing of her is also a heightened version of her and not not all there is to it there there's also little things like like the cupcakes right she's talking about cupcakes making them it's going to be the future and she's actually really good at it <laughs> like like i don't want to spoil it but she's not <laughs> she's not delusional like yeah yeah she's successful in in these endeavors and well so so let, there, there's something because so this is you know my baggage and we, we both have unspoken baggages going on in, <laughs> in the podcast but i would say the one one experience I had before was you and I watched Francis Ha, right? Yeah. And we both probably watched this as like a sighing older brother or a father, like, <laughs> oh, Francis. Yeah, yeah. When is she gonna? When is she gonna move on? When is she going to let go and grow up? Doing all these unplanned things, being so spontaneous. Yeah. Um, I've learned in my life not everyone watches it that way. Some people watch it as a true ode to the thing one doesn't want to let go of, right? This, yeah. this thing that makes life worth living. And I saw his relationship with Laura as this, this nice struggle between the, the quiet, comfort, contentedness and the, the life. And I kind of saw it as them feeding each other. And I, I, I was just wondering if I was the only one who had that reaction. I didn't see it only as a joke. I thought there was something very very lovely about it too so so i didn't see it as a joke and i i there were aspects of it that i really really like it if you remove the scenes of them waking up in the morning and had all of their other interactions i would see this as two people passing through each other in day-to-day -day mm -hmm. life right with the exception of the one poem he starts to write, which is on the poster for the film, so it, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to consider this not a spoiler, but, like, he's he's writing a poem and he writes, if you left me, I would take my heart out and never put it back. And outside of those spoken words and them waking up next to each other in the morning, I don't know that he really cares for her. Like... Not because I think he doesn't, but because he is so passive mm -hmm. in life and sort of just going through the motions that I'm like a 
the like his girlfriend's search for the next thing seems directly in conflict with his search for n- exactly what he has. Mm-hmm. And maybe once again, this is my own baggage ringing into it, but it's like I something about that did not ring true to me. And yeah, like you, you do see moments of sweetness between them and you can tell that they care about each other, but it also feels like it's two people just living alongside each other. Right. Like they're sort of just roommates and that something about that felt unexplored and the film didn't care to explore it. I, I would agree with that. I do think part of it is that the, the waking up in the morning is shorthand for a lot of things. Like we, we enter this film at the beginning of a routine that is going to slowly break down. I'd like, I don't think that's, too spoilery it's not dramatically going to break down but things will continually start to be off kilter yeah and i think their relationship in particular what we what we are watching highlighted are the things being subtly off like there's a moment when he comes home i think in the first day or the second day and he's looking at the paintings of the dogs of the dog yeah and there's there's an actual little there's a bit of dread that gets conveyed there right like this (laughs) <laughs> this feeling of them being he's not looking at them with tenderness he is kind of looking at them with a feeling of things being wrong right yeah and i i just feel like this maybe patterson picks up in a week where things are wrong and wires are getting crossed and it it does use too much shorthand maybe to convey the fact that when wires are not crossed, there is something real happening. Yeah. But for, for me, just the waking up and the fact of their life, like the way they know each other so well and carve out, let each other carve out space to do these things was, I, I thought it was really nice. It was kind of like what, what people made me think loving would be when they said it's like a, just a slow <laughs> look at a quiet relationship. Like, this felt like an actual slow ode to a, a much more particular relationship that Jarmusch wants to play with. But yeah. I don't know. I, I liked it. And I liked the visuals of it. I really liked the visuals of the the room and how striking and different, all the, like all the blacks and whites and the textures that she would fill. <laughs> and how continually more striking it gets all the time. Yeah, I, I liked that. I thought that was... a. Uh, I don't, that's one of those just um it's a visual lexicon that i feel like will stay with me like it's a striking white and black on blue and kind of a especially in this town where nothing else happens yeah. it feels it does get to the feeling of like containing some really forceful life inside this place that life doesn't happen otherwise there's also a, a hilarious visual gag with with just this 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 color changing stuff where um she is working on like a dress that has like black and white stripes in it and she's holding up this like pattern that she just finished and she kind of like goes like no this isn't good and she just lets it fall and what she has underneath that is essentially a very similar pattern <laughs> yeah. just going a different direction and a different shape yeah. and then it's just like i don't know why that was just hilarious to me yeah. because she's like oh no this is too much and then just nope that's exactly what i have that was great i do i do want to mention the dog which I think is an MVP, <laughs> an MVP of this movie. Uh, such a great dog, <laughs> dog character. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I think Patterson has the most emotion towards the dog. Oh yeah. Versus, like he he genu- like he generally does not care for the dog. Right, the dog is just a nuisance. The dog sort of has like 
equal footing as him in this household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like he sort of gets home from his long day, and it's his job to take the dog out for a walk. Yeah. And the dog sort of always just drags him away. <laughs> and clearly, the dog doesn't like him either. Yeah. I, I would say if if there's anything in the movie that would let me let go of the idea that the girlfriend is a two-dimensional character, or three-dimensional, two isn't good. Um, if there's anything that would make me think it is kind of just simplifying her or poking fun at the women, right, thing, it is the dog. Because the dog does represent this laborious thing that he takes on for her that she loves and we never see any reason someone would love it yeah yeah yeah. it's purely yeah it's purely something he does for her Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah um or do you have do you you have any last thoughts i'm one if if i could get at a conclusion of the film because you kind of talked about not knowing what it was all for yeah. And it's, you know, clear to me, too, the journey is not because of that reset button. The journey is not completely apparent. But yeah. I do think there's something it's looking at the um, I don't know how to say this without spoiling it. There's a moment toward the end where he's looking at the early collected works of William Carlos Williams. Yeah. And there's a thought there, right, of of futures that can never happen that I thought was very moving. And the, there is kind of a like quiet acceptance of building new futures. I don't know. There there was, it was a very small little moment, but I, it, it hit me. And I think that's like the penultimate scene of the movie. So it, it kind of resonated with me while, while the reset button was going on. Yeah. I mean like, Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to talk about without <laughs> without talking about a few scenes earlier. Yeah. But I just feel like the character... Yeah, I, I don't know. It... <laughs> I, I, I just I can't without, without talking about it. Um, yeah. we, we can go off, Mike. Yeah, we can go off. We'll, we'll talk in a few moments once we finish the episode. Um, yeah. But... But yeah, I, I guess I that thought resonates with me. But the meaning of the thought, I guess, is what doesn't jive with me. Like, mm-hmm. I see the thought, I have that thought, but I don't know what it means within the context of this world that we're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the you know the the, the tur- tourist sort of makes that thought even less clear (laughs) right i might say if if his whole character is something that is content with things being unseen and small and things just being and then leaving then maybe the the arc of the film is that he hasn't changed at all and this film is about him being himself and not him like learning something new because then like the conclusion of the film is an echo of everything else which is that he just takes life and accepts it and is accepting of it being being small so i i guess last thing i'll say is that i get that but i feel he should have changed if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Like I am on board. Like I understand what I'm saying. I don't. 
believe it. Um, and I can only accept it in the context of the tourist. Mm-hmm. Without the tourist, I think he does change. And that's the whole thing I wrestle with. <laughs> and I think the tourist is inside. Man. Yeah. But who's the real Patterson? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to verdicts. Um, okay, so Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, a reckoner with a caveat, a wait-for-rental, a pass-to-the-caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm going must-see. I, I loved this movie, and I, I can't remember the last time a movie has forced me to slow down the way this has. And been pleasant for it. Like, loving forced me to slow down, <laughs> but it did not pay off in the sort of rhythms that I would have enjoyed. So, real fast, Stephen and I watched Loving in a theater where we were the only occupants of the theater mm-hmm. until about 30 minutes in when an older woman walked in, sat down for about 10 minutes, and then left and never returned. Yeah. So, And then her twin walked in. <laughs> yeah, and then her twin walked in. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that is how... That film, that's how much that film had us slow down. Right. <laughs> I, um, I, I, just, I loved the, the repetition of the film. It, a, a touch point for me would be two days, one night, but this goes in the opposite direction where it's not claustrophobic. It is about taking things slowly and opening and just embracing the tiny details of life. Um, you might say two nights, one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two nights, one day. Um, but aren't nights bad? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be see, like all day and no night? Well, I just thought the opposite of two days, yeah, one yeah. night would be two nights, one day. Negative, negative two days, <laughs> negative one night. Um, anyway, <laughs> I yeah, I thought it was a lovely, provocative movie, and I I like that it doesn't resolve. In the in this context, I really enjoyed that. <sighs> what to do, Stephen? What to do? What to do? I I almost want to abstain <laughs> from this one. I feel so uh so so difficult. You can go the Carson route. Like fire but not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fire but not fire. Um Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I I abstain. We can just let it sit. <laughs> it's like a long pause in a poem. Yeah. An Empty Canvas by Andy Warhol. Yes. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to abstain. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Stephen, <laughs> this is the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, music? Oh, yeah. Contact us? Yeah, you can contact us mm-hmm. uh, by sending an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Patterson, if that's a thing. Um, yeah, but she sings that one song on guitar. Yeah, I'm sure that's. If anything, we'll just go see it again, and then I'll like pull out my <laughs> recorder and hold it up. If not, the soundtrack will be us just reading poems to each other. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so there's that. Uh, tomorrow evening, 
which may be irrelevant to when this episode goes out, uh, we'll be recording our end-of-year spectacular episode where we're going to talk about our favorite 10 films of the year. And, uh, yeah, so it's the episode you've all been waiting for. I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. We are going to head out. Thank you for joining me, Stephen. Thank you for having me. And you and I are going to go have an interesting conversation off air. Oh, yeah. So uh, the rest of you guys, just think about what that could be. And uh, everyone else, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.